Welcome back to the show, my loves. On this episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, I talk about the inner child work that I've been doing lately. And this big, beautiful realization that I've had that when I gently and softly and gracefully do my own inner work, actually it changes dynamics in my family situation. And I share a little bit of storytelling around some beautiful experiences I've had lately where I can actually witness a change in relationships that have been challenging for me in the past. That's just unfolding from me inviting my inner child into the conversation. For me, this was a very healing episode to record, and I hope it's a healing episode to listen to as well. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. I hope wherever you are in the world, in your little, little part of this earth, wherever you find yourself in this moment, that you are embracing and full on enjoying the bounty of this world. I am looking outside right now and nature is blowing my mind. <laughs> I am having one of those like nature is just blowing my mind. I every day I step outside, I find something new to marvel at. And even just looking out the window right now, one of the little there's like a little tree right outside my my tea room, my podcast room where I record every week. And since we moved in in December, it's just been twigs. And I mean, it's just it's there's been not a single thing on this on this tree. And so I've kind of even forgotten that it's a tree because it doesn't have any green, doesn't have any pine needles, doesn't have any leaves. And it's right outside my window. I have never really noticed that it's there. And this morning, all of a sudden, it's just it was like at night, like this tree just took a huge breath in. And then exhaled and boop, and it's it's just covered, it's covered in leaves all overnight, it covered in leaves. And I just, I, <laughs> I feel like it's, it's kind of, I know it happens every year and all the time and seasons turn and winter turn to spring and spring turns to summer and that's just normal. But is it though? Like, is it? normal? Is it? Is it this everyday thing that we just shouldn't pay attention to because it happens con continuously and all the time? Or is it something that's just absolutely extraordinary and we really should embrace and honor and be grateful for? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just, as I'm speaking these words to you right now, I'm looking at this little tree blowing in the wind just full of fluffy, light green little balls of leaves. And I am just, I don't know. I'm in the middle of a very intense love relationship with this earth. <laughs> that that feels somehow feels new. It feels like it's kind of like the relationship you've been in your entire life, 
but you've taken it for granted the whole entire time or it hasn't been in the forefront of your eye, of your, of your gaze or of your awareness. And all of a sudden you realize that, whoa, this relationship is just incredible. Like, have you ever had a friend like that? That that friend that's always there, always nearby, kind of this consistent presence in your life. And then all of a sudden you just realize, like, where would you be if it wasn't for this person? What would your life be without them? You know, it's easy to take important people and things for granted, especially if we have them around all the time. And that's the feeling that I have with my relationship with Mother Nature is... I spent so much of my life disconnected from this most important relationship. (laughs) And I know I'm just launching into this for this for this episode of the podcast, but that's really where my head is and where my mind is and where my heart is right now. So every single day, you know, I wake up, if you follow me on Instagram, I don't know if you do, but I, I share a lot of little video snippets of our view here which is just magical and something I will never take for granted. I cannot take for granted. Every day it just takes my breath away. And I look out at the lake and the trees and the sky and every day it's different. Every day it's unbelievably beautiful, but every day there's really something that is changing or shifting or that isn't what it was yesterday. And I find this even more palpable and in in my face at this specific stage of spring where we are in Sweden right now and it takes forever in Sweden it's end of May and it's still very chilly outside it's still kind of too cold to have breakfast outside unless you're in a very kind of protected like corner of of our of our deck here if we bundle up we can have breakfast outside but we don't all the time because it's still freaking cold But we are in this space now or this kind of time of spring where everything has kind of moved slowly and nature has taken its time. And I guess when winter is this long and winter is this cold and intense, you know, it takes nature a while to get everybody heated up to the point that they need to be to give everybody the nutrients that they need to really pop, you know, like this tree. I feel like this tree has just been hanging out, hibernating, you know, gathering strength for spring. And then overnight, she popped and she's just, she looks like a little fluffy cotton cloud of green now. And yesterday there was nothing there. And I just, I just, that just blows my mind. (laughs) So anyway, there's, um, I, I guess, A good way for me to start this episode of the show is with some gratitude. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta bow down, you know, and yes, every week is different. And yes, life is a freaking roller coaster and there are high highs and low lows. And today and this week, I am just in this continuous state of awe and gratitude for, for how I got here and the fact that I get to be here and big, big, big gratitude for for this earth and for everything she brings. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. 
we can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. It is a year. It has been a year since I think I had that big realization inside that I wanted to move to Sweden. It was about... Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I think maybe to the day I, I we were living a year ago, you know, we had this little house that we'd rented in in Sweden, kind of across the lake from where we are now, not super far away. And when spring really came last year, we were in the middle of the mold saga and kind of losing our home and everything was unstable. And I was on this podcast crying every week because everything felt so challenging, but also beautiful somehow. And it was right around this time one year ago where I, me and Leia, we were spending so much time walking through the forest and dedicated quiet time spent in the woods. And I had this big awakening of my my love for Sweden. It was kind of like I had a, a seed of love in deep, 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 deep inside. And somehow mold happened and then spring came and then spring sprung in Sweden And this little seed in my heart started sprouting and then blossomed into this longing to move back home. And I am now that I get to experience all the similar things that we saw and experienced last year, like trees seemingly overnight, just going from what looks like dead and and totally pale and and sparse and to absolutely alive and, and thriving and blooming. I mean, it's so wild to picking dandelions you know we had last year I had this such a beautiful beautiful moment with Leia and and my grandmother where we picked just buckets of dandelion and we made dandelion honey which was so uh, yeah so it's just the first time I ever did that you know and I really started feeling like my eyes were opening to all the the bounty of nature and we started foraging a lot and I was just you know, becoming aware of how much I know of nature here. It's just ingrained in me, things I've known since I was a little girl, but I never had to bring forth those memories. I never had a reason to remember that I know the names of all of these plants, you know, my grandmothers and just through being here and growing up here. I know, I know I have so many friends in nature, flower friends and plant friends and tree friends and bird friends and mushroom friends and berry friends that have been sort of my, my allies my entire life. And then I left Sweden and I forgot about them totally. And last year having this big awakening of, man, I think, oh, like what would life be like if we left the Caribbean and we left Aruba and we moved to Sweden and I got to go back to my ancestral home, you know, which has been this terrifying, scary thing for me. And last year, these things that I'm doing now, exactly now, like yesterday together with Leia and with one of my best friends who's here visiting, we picked dandelions, but we did it at our own property, like outside our own home on our own land. And there's such an abundance of them here. And it, it feels differently, you know, to, to do that, like take our own basket from our own house where we are settled and where we actually live to, to go outside and fill that basket with flower heads and then sit at our own kitchen table and pick the petals off the flowers and put them in a pot and, and go through the whole process of, of making the honey, but totally grounded and very rooted, you know. 
last year doing exactly that same thing. We were at an Airbnb that I, you know, had this wild and crazy idea that I wanted to live there and buy the place. And I shared that on the podcast, just this huge dream I, I all of a sudden had that I wanted to buy that property and live in that house. And I really tried, like I went all in to try to go for, see if the owners of this tiny little cabin in the middle of nowhere, if they would sell, which for a moment I thought they would, and then they didn't. And I was so heartbroken. And what I can realize and really see now is that the longing I felt in my heart wasn't for just that house, you know, it wasn't for just that, that exact specific property, even though that property will forever have a really special place in my heart. And I really hope if they ever decide to sell, they will think of me first <laughs> before anybody else, because that really was such a special, lovely, lovely place. But it wasn't about the property, it wasn't about the cabin. It was about Sweden. Right, totally. And what I'm realizing has just happened over the past year, this coming home, it's it's been for me almost like falling back in love with my roots and falling back in love with my homeland and falling back in love with nature. And now getting to see spring springing all around but I I don't have this undercurrent of fear that I had last year last year when we were doing all those lovely things and walking through the woods and meeting all the plant friends and really having these lovely lovely moments swimming in the lake all of that it had this kind of undercurrent of I don't know what's going to happen with with our lives I didn't feel safe we didn't have a home we didn't have a plan we didn't have any you know, structure at all. We just knew, okay, we have two months at this Airbnb and then we have three weeks in this Airbnb and then we have to find something and then we don't know what's going to happen. And everything was just so uncertain and, and scary. So this year, getting to experience those same things, but without the fear, without the sense of, I don't know, I still have, <laughs> okay, let's not get ahead of myself. I still have a big feeling in my, I have a this near constant, like, I, I don't know, but it's not a I don't know that feels terrifying and like terror and, and super scary. It's more like an I don't know. And it feels a little bit curious. If you heard the podcast last week, I talked about prayer and I talked about this prayer meditation that I did as we closed the home course and this big realization that I had around not knowing, like, I don't know. And I just have realized so deeply that how that prayer began with this feeling of not knowing in my heart and this panic of, I don't know, I don't know. And I feel so freaked out by not knowing that really was my life a year ago. I didn't know if we were going to be okay. I didn't know if we were going to find a new place to live that would feel good. I didn't know if Dennis and I were going to work things out. We were fighting all the time. I didn't know if we would heal from the mold. I didn't know if I would stay sick. I didn't know if Leia would be happy. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. And then all throughout this past year, all I've really done is, is keep trusting. It wasn't, there wasn't like a magic solution to everything that just came my way or I found you know, someone told me what to do and I did that or I followed the steps or anything. I've just clung to some semblance of trust and hope as I've allowed that not knowing to, to be there, right? Because I couldn't escape it. And I just kept 
putting one foot in front of the other all year, for a whole year, just fearful, nervous, feeling like I had no earth beneath my feet at all. I don't know. I don't know. Oh my God, I don't know. And then for every step I took that I don't know became a little more grounded and it became like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And eventually now, I still don't know. (laughs) But that I don't know, it's really like the ending of the prayer that I shared last week. It's this very calm, very grounded, rooted feeling of, I don't know. And I can feel it in my whole body, at least in this moment right now, that I I'm okay not knowing right now. And what is it I don't know? <laughs> the the not knowing, I'm I'm talking about this in therapy actually a lot because it's all of a sudden very much in the front of my awareness, this understanding that I, I am in a place of not knowing. I'm in a place where I'm testing out a whole new life. I'm testing out a new rhythm, a new routine, a new way of living, a new a new kind of health, a new sense of well-being, a new place to live, of course, a new life, a new home, a new country. Like I'm testing everything out. Everything has like a feeling of I don't know because everything is new. And I'm I'm really deeply relating this not knowing to the terror and the trauma and the fear of of not knowing and the unknown that I felt as a child. And I think what's happened is the fear of, of not being in control, right? The fear of everything being too much and too fast and too soon that I've always felt, which has been this residue of overwhelm when I was little. That very thing, that like inability to be with a not knowing, that inability of not feeling, not feeling safe, not feeling any structure, not feeling any grounding, that from the beginning is what launched me into this super speed, you know, do everything at once, work really hard all the time, never slow down, this high pace, high performance way of living that I lived for so many years. Because if I stayed in perpetual motion, I never had to touch the truth of that out of control feeling that actually is there all the time. That if I stayed really, really busy and I stayed really focused and I filled my days up so much, I just fill my days, I max out my days with stuff and things to do and things to get done and things to fix, then I'd never have to actually face the reality of the fact that I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know (laughs) where life is going to take me. Actually, I don't know anything at all in the grand scheme of things. I am just a tiny drop floating around in this huge ocean and I have no control of what is next. And neither do you. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry to... Sorry to break the news so intensely, but none of us have any fucking control, you know, and most of us don't really know what we're doing either. You know, we want to, it becomes important that we put on this face and this, this, this kind of composure almost of like, we are adults moving through this world, navigating stuff. And we, we got our shit together. You know, we, we, we go to work and we know what we're doing with that and we're taking care of our families and we do that and we're parenting and we're, you know, getting dressed in the morning and we're paying our bills. We have our shit together. 
But deep down, like underneath all the layers of that, behind the facade of I'm an adult making my way through this world doing just fine, I think most of us are really just kind of terrified. Like most of us, we're trying to to hide or cover up the fact that that we are completely living this life where we don't know what's coming tomorrow. We have no idea who's going to live and who's going to die. We don't know, you know, like even even just the 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 knowing of death. This is to me such a fascinating concept to really contemplate at a deeper level. The fact that we're all human beings living our lives knowing we are all going to die. At the end of this life, whenever that is, we don't know when that is, but I'm going to die and you're going to die and everyone we know eventually at some point is going to die. Like that knowing which we all know, I think on a soul level we know and on an intellectual level, like we can grasp it. But there is the space in between where that's just too much for our hearts to actually manage. Like it's very hard to sustain a regular day-to-day life if we're living with the knowledge of death at any time in the front of our face. So if we don't explore that, you know, if we don't do the inner work of getting more comfortable with not knowing, which essentially not knowing for me means, means death right? Means that anything can happen at any time. We can lose it all anytime. It's this surrender, right? And if we don't do the inner work of getting more comfortable with the discomfort of everything being out of control with allowing ourselves to not know, then we have to work really hard to cover that up. We have to run really, really fast to to, to forget, you know, so that we can anchor into this illusion of permanence, this illusion of attachment, this illusion of well, what we have is here forever. and It's here to stay. But, you know, deep down we know it's not. And if we've also, you know, if we've had a very out of control childhood, I think the idea of not knowing, allowing ourselves to truly surrender and be that drop of water, just merging with the, with the water and merging with the ocean and just letting go of that control. It's not possible. It's too much to bear. It's too intense. It feels too unsafe, too scary. So we work really hard until, until one day we can't. And I think that's what happened to me. I worked really hard until one day I just couldn't anymore. And somehow the genius of this universe and I really feel like there's an intelligence to this world that is just beyond it put all of these things in place for me to get to where I'm sitting today and all the things that the that life put in place for me all the things that unfolded and that happened to me because they all felt like they were really happening to me all of those things had to happen exactly the way they had to happen so that I could sit here now at home. (laughs) So I could sit here now feeling more okay with that big, scary ocean of, of the unknown, you know, so that I could pick up the pieces of everything that was kind of broken and left on the floor from when I was little and, and hold them now in a sense. And none of that, you know, none of the gratitude that I feel today and the awe and the grace that I feel present and this 
relationship I feel with nature and with myself, all these beautiful things that are unfolding now, they never would would have arrived in this way. I never would be here feeling them, experiencing them if it wasn't for all the terrible things that I did not want to have happen. (laughs) Isn't that just so bizarre? And I mean, we know that that's true. We know it's through our greatest challenges that we learn the most and yada, yada, yada. You know, we don't, we know it afterwards, but we don't know it in the moment. And for me now, the synchronicities of, like really, I was sitting with that yesterday, picking the dandelion flowers, making the honey. And then one year ago to the day, like almost, I was doing these same things and I was just so scared. I was just so scared. And I was, you know, really feeling this sense of loss and despair because it felt so impossible to not know, to dwell in that unknown space. And I don't have a, you know, grand epiphany or a huge piece of wisdom to impart of like how, how, how do we navigate that? How, how do we go from being in the in the actual storm, feeling so scared and terrified, and then get to that place of feeling at peace with our knowing and, you know, the gratitude and the grace. Yeah, I don't know. But what I do know is this, this out of control feeling, you know, and I know a lot of us share that, but we don't want to look at it, this fear of things falling apart. Also, this, this idea that or this kind of urge that a lot of us have of, of keeping everything together, and we try so hard to do that. We try so hard to schedule everything meticulously and make sure we're not dropping any balls. And like, especially, I think, especially women, especially mothers, but all parents, all humans, everyone working really hard without knowing really why, right? Like we've kind of lost a little bit of that intention around and the mindfulness around the work that we do. Everyone who just, everyone who's feeling overwhelmed, or a big amount of stress in our day. It's like we're all trying to create this semblance of control in our lives and hide the fact that we don't have any. And eventually life is going to bring us a real life scenario where we are totally out of control, where we have no chance, like no other option, but to actually sit with it and face it and be with the discomfort of that. And probably also, you know, look at, the things that happened when we were little that led us to feeling that way in the first place. Because that's what that's what healing is, right? Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I had a few really big things 
happened this past week that feel, <laughs> that feel, that feel, I, I don't know. I, I was trying to explain it to a friend yesterday. I feel like the healing that I'm doing in my life now is huge, but it's so subtle. I'm not in a cave with a shaman doing ayahuasca, like facing my own mortality, like the way I have in the past, like these huge mega moments of unbelievable healing where I step in to a ceremony or a retreat or a group one way and I step out a completely changed person. Like I've had a lot of those moments of healing where I really felt that like I am different after this, but it was so overwhelming and so big and so hard. Instead, I feel like I'm I'm doing healing, but it's the everyday, gentle, very subtle stuff. It's every therapy session I have every week, I have some sort of knowing inside. And it's not the kind where I like have to go outside and tell Dennis all about it or write a book about it, which I have in the past. It's this very subtle, sweet, gentle changes and shifts that I can notice inside of myself that are unfolding in the mundane. You know, they're happening in the day to day because I'm I'm, I'm already integrated in all of those dynamics where that healing is taking place. I'm not stepping out of them and then stepping back in. It's just very subtle, but it feels huge. It feels, it feels like I'm very slowly easing back into who I'm actually supposed to be somehow. And through that work, a lot of things that actually are really big, that maybe don't sound big, but they are really big, are just kind of happening and unfolding on their own. So I've, I've told you already, I'm doing some inner child work, just very, very gently. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't even think of it as like I'm doing inner child work. You know, I've just very softly and very gently made space for my inner child in my day-to-day life in little ways. Like when I wake up in the morning and I sit down at my tea table, I have a little cushion for her there. And it's not, it, maybe to some people, this sounds really weird. I'm assuming if you listen to this podcast, this is not at all weird to you. We've, we've talked about way weirder stuff. But just having a little cushion there for her. And then I just see her. I don't have to do a big meditation or like a huge visualization thing. I just invite her, you know. And I have this little version of me. And she looks a certain way and she smiles in a certain way and she's shy in a certain way and she has these little quirks and just just, just this presence of her, which is this presence of the this innocent part of me, right? This very young, gentle, sweet, innocent child version of me that still lives inside of me somewhere deep inside. And I just make the space so she's welcome, right? And then as I move about my day, like I have little moments where, especially if something hard happens or I have to answer a big question or if I get triggered emotionally, sometimes I'll just place my hand to my heart and close my eyes and I, and I just feel her, you know, and I really, really go for, well, what does she need? What does little Rachel need? You know, the things that big adult grown up Rachel does all through the day and the decisions I make, I make from a different standpoint, Right? I make from a different lens and a different perspective. But if I just take a breath and I really feel in my heart, okay, well, what is, what is, what would make little Rachel feel good here? You know, what would make her feel safe? What would she enjoy? And what I'm finding is when I do that, and I'm just in that conversation with her, it's, I, I, because little Rachel doesn't give a shit. <laughs> she doesn't give a shit about performance. She doesn't give a shit about, productivity. 
She doesn't care about money. She doesn't care about success. She doesn't care about looking good in the, in the outside world. She cares about joy. You know, she really, really, really cares about joy and really wants to play and wants to have fun and wants to, you know, she doesn't wake up in the morning and go, how can I be most productive today? She wakes up in the morning and just goes to play. How can I enjoy myself today? Where is there pleasure, right? Where is there fun in the world? And the answer to that is always, almost always, it's outside. Almost always. Like it's outside. It's in nature. It's climbing a rock. It's hugging a tree. It's spending time in the garden. It's planting something. She really likes to spend time with Leia, like swimming. It's just, it's always very simple things, but it's almost always outside. And little Rachel wants to feel safe. You know, she doesn't, she wants to know that she's safe and that she's taken care of and that she's held but her, her motivations are so very different from my grown-up motivations of how to move through my day. And when I give space to my inner child just to be part of the conversation that happens inside of me all day long, I find myself reaching for things I normally wouldn't. And I find myself making small decisions in my day that maybe are a little bit different than the ones I would make without her. And also, in a big way, I am providing this really healing space for a part of me that that always feels unsafe because it is that inner child side of me that doesn't feel safe that it never felt held that was always in shock in a sense like this very it's the part of my nervous system that has been in this fight or flight my entire life and every time I invite her it's like that I get to soften something there something gets to relax so in doing this work this gentle, gentle every day it doesn't feel like work at all. But basically, and just, just, just bringing her with me as I move about my my day and go about my life, things have started to change. And an example of this is so this Sunday, or this 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 past Sunday, just a few days ago, um, we had a family gathering, and family gatherings for me are usually very tricky, and they come kind of seldomly. It's very rare that we have big family gatherings where extended family shows up, especially, I was going to say, especially now with COVID, but actually that's not at all why. It's just, we don't do that a lot in our, in our family. And we had a family gathering, but it was on my dad's side of the family where my cousin had a birthday and my, it, it was my, my dad's dad. So his side of the family, my great aunt, so my grandpa's sisters, who I haven't seen in a really long time and forever. And uh, my dad's cousins on that side and their kids and even like more extended family there, but it's all my dad's end. And the funny thing about this or the interesting thing about this is that my mom was there and my mom is not related, right? So just imagine like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm 33 years old. My parents divorced when I was two or separated when I was super, super little, like, right? We're talking 30 years ago, 30 years apart. My mom is not related by blood to any of these people, uh, any of the family on my dad's side. But she has really throughout these decades stayed connected. And that's, a, it's really, you know, I have a complicated relationship with my mom, but it's really beautiful quality that she has is her her ability to really build relationship and stay connected with people. So, And that kind of transcends blood and who's related to who and 
and, 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 you know, so she has these relationships there on that side and particularly with my cousin, um, who's had kind of a, a hard hand dealt to her in life. And I know my mom throughout the years has been a big support of her to her. So when it's her birthday and she had a new place and it was like a big celebration for her, she invites my mom because my mom is important to her, but my mom doesn't talk to my dad. My dad doesn't talk to my mom. They have no relationship. They don't like each other. I think my dad is probably like, doesn't really care. I don't think he thinks that much about it, but my mom really can't stand my dad. <laughs> and it's been this way since it, it's kind of been cyclical. Like if I look back at my life, having both of my parents present for anything was always a big deal. And we'd go through seasons of them being fine and actually things being good and then seasons of it couldn't even happen. Like they wouldn't show up at, at the same place if the other person was there. And then seasons of me like wanting them to, to come, both of them, or even events where they had to both be together, like Dennis and I getting married, for instance, like there's no no way they're not going to show up, but there's no relationship there. There's no, there's no, I don't know. I don't want to say there's no love because I don't know what, what that is like for them. I don't want to speak for them, but they don't talk, right? There's no softness or gentleness that, that you can feel or see between them there for for a lot of reasons, right? Three decades of <laughs> separate parenting and separate life decisions and lots of drama and fighting and, you know, you know, divorce, divorce is hard. But so anyway, so this, this family gathering happened, right? And Leia had a birthday two months ago. And of course, I invite both of my parents, you know, that's Leia's grandparents. We live in Sweden now. We actually have this ability to be together, all of us. And as soon as my dad was arriving, my mom left. Like, and I, and I ever think it was very deliberate. Like she just doesn't want to spend time with him. And, uh, and when that happened at her birthday, like someone said, oh, you know, dad is on his way. And then my mom, like a minute later is like, so I think I'm going to take off, you know, and she just like <laughs> makes a very gracious exit. There was a part of me that was like, even though I haven't had a, I've had almost two years without not speaking to my mom, I've had a lot of boundaries set, I've had a huge shift in that relationship, and a lot of shift in my relationship with my dad, I've really been doing a lot of work there. And now we're living here and we're having some, we're, I'm seeing more closeness, more natural moments for us to spend together. But on last birthday, when my mom left, there was a part of me that felt like, oh, you know, I was... I would never say it. I would never tell her or my dad. I would never have a conversation about them with them because they, I don't think it's not for that. It's not about them. Actually, it's about me. You know, I wouldn't say it, but I felt like a little disappointed that, that she left because there was a part of me that wanted everyone there together, even though they don't talk, right? Even though it's very awkward, it's, it's not natural. It's weird. It's, it's tense, <laughs> right? But there was a part of me that wanted both of my parents there for my daughter's fifth birthday, but I, I wasn't mindful of it. I wasn't really aware that I had that feeling. It just, it just happened and that's normal and they never see each other ever, you know. So who cares, right? So I just moved on. But then for this gathering this week, my mom was, was there and we went and it was really lovely. And my mom shows up really early, which I think she does strategically because my dad is always late for everything. So I think she knows if there's a gathering and he's going to be there, if she comes really early, then chances of them having to like, you know, their paths crossing is very low. So she shows up early to help prepare, right? That's kind of her thing. And my dad is always late. 
So we're there. My dad hasn't shown up, but it's just us. It's really lovely, super nice. Everyone is, yeah, just cake and and an extended family. But it's all my dad's family and my mom, right? Which is could be weird, but it's not weird. And then someone calls. It's like my sister who's arriving with my dad. And then my cousin goes, okay, so, you know, Rachel's dad's coming. And then my mom stands up and she's like, so I think, you know, it's time for me to, it's getting kind of late. Like she doesn't say that that's why she's leaving, but that's why she's leaving. And um, we're in a pretty good place right now, me and my mom. We're seeing each other here and there. And it feels, I have a grounded feeling about it. I don't feel Yeah, before when we've started reconnecting and kind of rekindling that relationship, I have this uncertain, almost like unsafe feeling inside. And I don't have that now. I feel very calm and very good about it. So she stands up to leave. And I go, you know what? I would love it if you stayed. I would love it if you and dad were here at the same time. And as I said that, and she looks at me like, what? That's super weird. I would never, like, why would I say that? Why would I want that? Basically, I'm inviting, it's like the potential for drama or discord or tension or, you know, they don't like each other. Like, why, why would I want that? But as I said that, I realized right away, like, that was, that was little Rachel stating her needs. Like, that was my inner child really fully knowing, like, there's, Like my inner child, little Rachel would love to be with her mom and her dad. Like that, and and that knowing, you know, it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing for someone who spent like 30 years with the obvious thing being they are not together, you know, 30 years of not having them in the same room or not having that feeling of togetherness. They're not having, of course, there's no family feeling there with my mom and my dad, never had. And for me to state that need, like not only to recognize that need and feel it, but actually state it to my mom, who is a person who historically I have a very hard time stating my needs to, you know, and I did. <laughs> and it maybe sounds like a small thing. It was, it was a huge thing for me to do that. And she goes, really? And I said, yeah, maybe we could take a picture, all of us together, you know? And I think Leia also would really love to have grandma and grandpa and to see them together. What do you think? And she was like, uh, uh, okay. Okay. Five minutes. Okay. I'm going to stay a little bit. Okay. We'll take a picture and then I'm going to go. And I'm like, okay, okay. That's, thank you. Thank you so much. That's so nice. Thank you. So my dad shows up. (laughs) My dad, he's such a, there's no way to describe him aside than that. Like he's a character. Okay. He's just a character on his own. He's just, he's, he walks in. He says hi to everyone and kind of like very casually across the room says hi to my mom. So it's like they're not ignoring each other, but they're, it's not like they're hugging, you know. <laughs> and then we all sit down and I'm sitting next to him and my mom's sitting across and she was supposed to leave right away. She was just supposed to like, let's take this photo. But then there wasn't a moment really for a photo. And we just started talking and then everyone ends up sitting in a circle. So my whole dad's side of the family and Dennis and Leah and I and my mom talking and they start reminiscing about old days and start telling stories about when I was born, you know, and how my mom lent her like maternity. Um, She had these maternity overalls that she was using when she was pregnant with me and she lent them to my cousin's mom. So it's actually my dad's aunt. So it's actually my great aunt. She's not really my cousin. She's my second cousin, but we say cousin because we're the same age. 
our whole family, like past generations also. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff there. Our family is really, really funny. But um and they start reminiscing and like remembering these overalls that they traded. And then my mom starts telling the story about like my great grandma, how yeah, what the family dinners used to be like there at their house. And my mom was 21, 20, 20 when she was pregnant with me. And how she was meeting all of them, these people in this room today, for the first time as a 20-year-old, you know, and how it's so interesting because actually she's not related by blood, but then here we are 30 years later and and we're still, ha- we're having a nice time, you know, and everyone was just so open and so, and telling different stories about different past things. And it was just such a beautiful moment. So time passed and then like an hour later, we're still there enjoying ourselves, Right. So it just became this very non-pressure moment of me having my mom and my dad in the same room together somehow. It was really beautiful. And then here's the kicker. Here's like the, the most beautiful moment. All of a sudden, my mom like stands up and she's like, I would like to say something. And like, it's, it's, so she starts, she, she, she holds a speech, right? Which in Sweden is very normal. I know in the US and like a bunch of cultures, Standing up to like have a speech in the middle of a gathering is very formal and very weird and something you would do at like at a wedding or something. Sweden, we do speeches all the time. Like if if we are a gathering of more than five people, like if I would go to dinner with five of my girlfriends, probably at some point at that dinner, one of us would stand up and like formally, you know, like officially like thank everyone for being there and I love you so much. Like it's a very common, normal thing <laughs> to, to, to have a little speech at a gathering. I just, I get a lot of comments from people thinking that that's so weird, but we do that all the time. So she starts, uh, yeah, has a speech for my, for my cousin, just saying how proud she is of her and how, you know, she's had kind of a tough time in life overall. And we're all so proud of her and we've all been with her for different stages of the journey and we all love her so much. And um, no matter where she goes, you know, we will always be here and we will always care. And it doesn't matter if we're blood family or not family you know and as she speaks I hear this little sound like a little sniffle by my side and I turn to my side and my dad is crying like he has tears in his eyes and this is a man who does not I mean this is like it's a it's a big thing and then my cousin's mom starts to cry and then I start to cry and then all of a sudden we get to have this very vulnerable oh it was so precious it was so precious we got to have this very vulnerable very sensitive heart opening moment all of us together like people in the room who don't talk to each other everyone has like weird constellations and my mom and my dad and Leia and me and Dennis are there and and everyone was just crying right and I had this big 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 it was kind of like my inner child just Like I got to take the deepest exhale, you know, having, having them together in a room and all of us being truthful, all of us feeling feelings, like all of us just having a shared heartfelt moment where, yeah, it was so beautiful. And, and then we took a picture, like I asked if, if like, can we sit, can we take a picture, all of us? And then we took a picture, like Leia, me, and my mom and my dad. Like Dennis took a picture of the four of us. And we don't have a picture like that. Like that's our first picture, as far as I can remember. I don't know if there was a moment when Leia was born. I don't think so. I, 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 I 
I, I don't think so. I think it's the first time we have a picture of the four of us. And it's so beautiful. Like everyone looks so beautiful. It was just like a quick photo, but it's like the perfect photo. You know, we didn't take like 500 photos and you pick the best one. It was just a photo. And it, it's so beautiful. And everyone's kind of glowing and shining. And I was looking at it later, like, like this, this is what our original family constellation would look like. You know, if they hadn't divorced, which of course they should have, and I'm very happy that they did. They were very miserable <laughs> together. Everything unfolded the way it was supposed to. But there is a part of me inside, right? That young side of me that wishes they were still together, that didn't want them to separate, that is still in a big way grieving that because I never had space to grieve that. Like after, you know, like when the time was to grieve that separation, there already was another separation and then there was death and then there was suicide. And then there was so much at that time when I was Leia's aged, there was no time to grieve anything really. And I think as an adult, I've grieved a lot of big stuff. Like I've grieved, I've grieved my mother's suicide attempts and I've grieved, I've grieved the loss of my stepdad who died. And I've grieved a lot of the big dramatic things that I've kind of worked with. But I think that separation, like between my mom and my dad that happened when I was so little, I haven't really grieved that. I haven't had space to give that space because in the scheme of things that was somehow smaller in a way even though for a child it's the biggest thing you know having your parents not be together it's a huge thing huge thing and of course you know it's always it's always going to be hard and we do our best with what we have and I, I believe like I look back at you know what is it 23 year old my 23 year old mom and my 26-year-old dad, and I'm like, how on earth did they manage, you know? And I know when they separated, they really did the best they could. And I can feel the compassion for them now that I'd never, I didn't feel before. I can feel this, yeah, this feeling of just forgiveness that I, I haven't felt the need to connect to. I haven't even felt like that was a priority somehow. And then looking at this photo of the four of us together, it's just, it's, I could cry just like thinking of this photo. It's so, it's so beautiful. And none of that would have happened if I didn't let my inner child speak. You know, none of that would have happened if I didn't state my needs. And I wouldn't have been able to state that need if I wasn't in tune and in touch with her. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. And I also feel really grateful for my mom. I was telling Dennis afterwards that, you know, there are things about her. 
it's easy for me to get kind of stuck stuck in the things that don't work in that relationship and the things that don't work for me because sometimes they feel so big and at times harmful and yeah painful and it was really lovely to be reminded of the things that do work and to be reminded of how special she is and the fact that you know my dad's side of the family no one talks about emotion it's not a vulnerable family it's not a it's not like there's no you know there's not a lot of that sensitivity and like talking about feelings and the i love you's out loud like it's not that you know it is kind of at, at times can be very cold and my mom is not like that i mean she's many things but she's not cold <laughs> so so the fact like i can sense her purpose in this family constellation and if it wasn't for her if she didn't have that speech and take the initiative to speak that love out loud and to speak that connection out loud and put that connection into words because we were all feeling it but no one was saying it and it was her saying it and putting words to it that brought that emotion all the way to surface and that really brought forth that huge sense of connection that we had there that felt so healing for everybody and i feel so grateful for her and her ability to do that and say the right things in the right moments and be vulnerable even when no one else is vulnerable you know there's a there's a superpower in that <laughs> so this thing you know that feels like i don't know this subtle work of inviting my inner child to come along actually is changing some family dynamics in my life now and i feel like we had such a yeah we had such a sweet moment there chances of that happening again are pretty big like i actually feel like maybe i could host a dinner or something and invite both my mom and my dad and maybe they would both come maybe there is a potential for leia to have a world where both of her grandparents are present at the same time which is a world i never even thought about like i didn't i don't you know i never thought that that word world could even exist but actually it could and then sitting with the fact that actually this coming home that i'm feeling you know which started with this coming home to nature and coming home to sweden and this connection and longing i feel to be with the plants and be with the trees and be with the lake and be with the land like it's so visceral this feeling like i literally lie face down flat down belly down on the earth and i hug the earth i feel that longing so big this of this connection with nature here and then realizing that that is a very visual representation and reflection of the longing i feel to have my family together and that longing feels almost shameful to speak out loud it feels scary to speak out loud it feels like risky to say foreign weird and i've never felt it i've never said it i've never never ever my whole entire life but i actually feel like i would like some more i would like some closeness with my family I would love to spend more time with my dad and with my mom and with my brothers and with my sisters and I actually would love for everyone to be together. <laughs> and I guess I never really allowed myself that longing because it felt impossible, right? Never going to happen. And now I really I really feel like me quietly doing the work that I'm doing on my own is actually melting something 
in other places actually changes dynamics in certain places. Actually, how I approach this family dynamic changes the family dynamic. And I really believe one person has the power to do that. So these things that felt so impossible, and I would look objectively at like how my dad is and how my mom is and their collective history and their traumas and their, it's too big, it's too much, unovercomable. But it wasn't about changing them or changing their past or changing their path together or making them somehow overcome things or putting them in the same room. You know, it's, it's, it's just me, right? It's just about me. I am the only thing I can control. The work I do is the only thing I can't control. How I choose to show up is the only thing I can control. And I'm really choosing now to show up for healing. And not just myself, but for this generational healing, this ancestral healing. And I think it's so true that whatever family constellation you are deeply challenged by, whatever doors have been closed in your life, in terms of who speaks to whom and who we spend time with and what constellations work and what don't. I mean, those doors are are only as closed as we decide for them to be. And it's such a beautiful realization to know that it's up to us to do the healing. So all of the all of the power is in our hands. Right? And it doesn't mean that people are going to fundamentally change just because we are doing the work that we're doing. But harsh edges can soften, you know, something that was frozen can start to melt. Like love that was there all along can can start to come to surface really gently, really softly. And I think that can happen in ways that are so subtle that the other people who are involved, they might not even really notice. You know, they might they might not go home and say, wow, this thing happened today. But just all of a sudden, super gently, things start to change. So just remember that you have a lot of power with what you do inside of your own heart. And if you can let your own inner child come out to play a little bit more, get comfortable with them, being present there with you, listening to their needs, you might find yourself somewhere that feels just absolutely like home. Hmm. I'm so grateful to be home. Thank you for listening today. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, and wherever you normally get your shows. And of course, thank you to my sponsors. Please support them the way they support this podcast. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.